This is out of bounds. This is out of bounds. Your weekly shindig here on the Know Your News Network for the wacky, wild, weird, and everything in between in the sports world. So, sorry, John. If you're wondering why I'm I'm weirdly staring into the computer, it's because I'm I'm still analyzing all the latest details of the Aaron Rodgers trade. Oh. There's a lot going on right now. We're going to be covering it here right on Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. Yeah, we were going to lead with some NFL mock draft fun here, but then, of course, things changed because plans change in the NFL, pal, and we have lots to discuss with Aaron Rodgers. And, of course, if you'd like to get in on that discussion, kynchat.com, hit us up there or you want to just leave us a super chat, you're watching via YouTube, that's your place to do it as well. We'll get your comment read on there, but you got to leave a super chat if you want it read on air. Me, I don't think we should waste any time because there's a lot to get to on this. So would you like to give us a little opening toast here this week? Yes, I would. I would like tonight's opening toast to go to um, Zach Wilson, who mm-hmm. uh, once so eloquently stated that Aaron Rodgers was a mentor of his, that he loved playing against him when the Jets defeated the Packers in Green Bay last year. And then three months later when he was benched, although he couldn't be benched because there were no more healthy quarterbacks in the Jets' quarterbacks room, he said that whoever was brought in to compete with him as the Jaguars' starting quarterback, he would, quote, give them hell. Mm, Zach, you'll see. (laughs) Give Aaron hell. Can't wait to see what goes down in the Big Apple, baby. Let's get the ASMR here. There it is. I'm bringing the Gatorade because wedding season is around the corner and it is becoming more evident by the day that I need to. This is a fun uh, little one here in Jersey. It's a lemonade vodka. It's fantastic. I'm going for a run after this, so I got to hydrate. The only place I'll be running is to the refrigerator. So that is where we begin things on this edition of Out of Bouncing. Guys, remember, if you want your comment right on air, leave a super chat for us and we'll get it to you. Aaron Rodgers, there he is evading the Jets. Now he's going to be playing for them, as you alluded to, Mia O'Brien. We got a mega trade. It is headed towards completion just ahead of this week's NFL draft. Packers sending the four-time NFL Most Valuable Player, Aaron Rodgers, to the Jets for some significant draft compensation. They're swapping first-rounders this year. They're getting a conditional second-rounder next year. That becomes a first-rounder if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% or more of the New York Jets snaps this season. All in all, though, Mia, this is the New York Jets going for it, something that we don't hear too often. Are we ready for the Aaron Rodgers New York experience? My bigger question, John, is, first of all, hearing he has to play 65% of the snaps, in what world would he not play 65% 65% of the Yes, it would be an injury circumstance. Right. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not Carson Wentz being dealt to the Colts or um, to the commanders and like, is he going to win the starting job? Like this is very much unless he has some sort of crazy catastrophic injury. Aaron Rodgers is QB1 in New York and he will be seeing all of the first team reps and will be starting every game. Sorry to our good friend, Zach Wilson. Um, with that said, my question for you is if this experiment doesn't work, how soon do the Brett Favre comparisons come out? How soon do people say Aaron Rodgers is going to retire next year and then be a Minnesota Viking in 2024? I think Aaron Rodgers is better than Brett Favre was at this juncture. That I agree with. Brett, I Favre, think he's more naturally gifted than Brett Favre was. There's a big difference here, too, keep in mind. Brett Favre retired and then came out of retirement. He retired because he didn't feel like he had anything left, and then he said, actually, I do, and I'm going to go play. Here, Aaron Rodgers still feels like he can win. We've seen the frustration build over the last few years in Green Bay because he wants to win. He knows he's on the last few holes of his career, right? He wants to win. And for the first time in a really long time, at least 10 plus years, the New York Jets feel like they're ready to do this. They feel like they're ready to go out there and win a Super Bowl. There are weapons on this Jets team. Mm-hmm. If you watch that Jets team this past Alan Lazard year, is reunited with Aaron Rodgers. There you go. Uh, and again, Nathaniel Hackett as well will be the coaching staff. Can you Aaron imagine Rodgers. if they had gone out and gotten all of those pieces that Aaron Rodgers demanded, John, and then he didn't come? Like That would have been an even better bit, in my opinion. Of I course. was personally rooting for that. But that wasn't meant to be. They knew they were going to get a deal done. And to their credit, they did get a deal done here. 
Is Rodgers ready for New York? I think no. Aaron Rodgers playing no. in New York will be fine. I don't think he's going to have an issue playing. It's the extracurricular stuff that, listen, you're in Green Bay, Mia. You are not part of I live in Jacksonville. It's Green Bay in the South. I mean, it's a nice little isolated pocket where you can be the kingpin. You're in the bubble. You're in the bubble. In in the New York City media market, there is no bubble. And I don't just mean from the media itself. There are all these encompassing different circumstances that come with playing in this region. And I just don't think Aaron Rodgers and his quirkiness is ready for that. Can we play a fun game? Let's hear it. We're both New Jersey natives. We've spent extensive time in the New York metropolitan area. Where do you think A.A. Ron is going to buy a house slash live? Is he going to be a West Village guy? East Village? Is he going to no. live in Jersey City? He is he going to move to Bergen County? Because I don't see him in Bergen County. He strikes me as like a Weehawken guy. Oh, yeah. that's a good. Or maybe Jersey City, but only because it's like gentrified and up and coming and he wants to be on the cutting edge, maybe like randomly Passaic County or something just to like see him mess with moving everyone. into the freaking Pine Barrens. This dude likes to be Living in the his woods isolation. in the darkness. Exactly. This is going to be a significant move for the New York Jets and for Rodgers. And, and what's now the legacy, right? This is a guy I think many people thought he's going to start his career as a Packer and he's going to end his career as a Packer. That's not the case anymore. Do you think he's going to be able to handle this, Mia? No, I I don't, because I think that this Jets team, as much as there's talent there, there's also enough room for just things to spiral out of control. Um, I mean, we saw what happened when Nathaniel Hackett was, A, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, but B, the offensive coordinator here in Jacksonville. When Blake Bortles didn't play well and Leonard Fournette got hurt and the offensive line got banged up, he ran out of ideas. And while Aaron Rodgers will really be the offensive coordinator of the Jets this upcoming season – and I think that they have more of a stable of running backs than solely relying on Leonard Fournette, like the Jaguars in 2018. I think that there are legitimate questions about if things go awry and they don't go according to plan, what will happen to Aaron Rodgers? Because by far and large, because he's been the kingpin, when things didn't go to plan, everyone curtailed to Aaron. And obviously the Jets are doing that and acquiring him. Will they continue that notion? That's my question. Um, and I did want to take a look at the Jets depth chart, John. Because I think, you know, it is worth exploring just how deep it is. And it is impressive what, you know, Joe Douglas has been able to do in New York. Because now you consider Aaron Rodgers is already the starter on ESPN.com, by the way, on their depth chart. You got Brees Hall coming off of a significant ACL. But obviously it's an ACL. still be a contributor. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, Zonovan, Bam Knight. You got some names there. Garrett Wilson, bonafide number one. Corey Davis, Alan Lazar, Denzel Mims is still somehow on the team and hasn't been traded. Um, Nicole Hardiman also coming off of a knee injury before he was signed, before he signed with the Jets. Um, Tight end, not awful with TJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin. They drafted Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State, so not awful. That offensive line, that offensive line, you got three out of the five coming off of significant injuries, including your two cornerstones and Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker. Again, John. If things go awry, when his buddy David Bottiari got hurt in Green Bay. Are you sensing like Brady and Tampa this past season? Yeah, Is that how you're feeling out here? Yeah, except, except Brady would never bash the team around him because of that. A.A. Ron? They are, they are built differently in that regard. So that's where I'm curious to see what happens. Um, as far as the defensive side of the ball goes, I mean, Carl Lawson's on probably his final year in New York. And so, again, that's why they're pushing all the chips into the middle of the table. Sauce Gardner, rookie of the year. I, I do think that if there's any weakness, it is probably that secondary for the Jets. Um, mm-hmm. In the safety position, I mean, it's all right. Like Jordan Whitehead was a good player for the uh, Bucks once upon a time. DJ Reed had a reclamation project of sorts with Sauce Gardner. And so while I do think there's pieces and this is the time to strike. And so I credit Joe Douglas for that. If one or two things goes wrong, Robert Sala is a you know first-time head coach. I understand it's his third year in the league. But does he have what it takes to say, no, Aaron, shut up. This is well, my team. Right. And, and will, will Aaron Rodgers respond to that? What will the synergy be? Brady and Bruce Arians really hit it off. And right. they were able to co-depend on one another where Brady was able to run the system that Bruce Arians had instilled in that team. But also there was a level of humanity to it that allowed for Brady to know his role and Bruce Arians to know his role. Salah is a very different 
mind from Aaron Rodgers. The cohesion will not be there. That first of all, he's a defensive mind. That's guy. what I'm saying. He's a defensive guy. So I think it's important for the natural comparisons that will automatically be drawn here to what Tom Brady did with Tampa versus what Aaron Rodgers has in front of him with the New York Jets. A, Rodgers and Brady are two very different quarterbacks. I would argue that Aaron Rodgers is a more skilled quarterback than Tom Brady was, but Tom Brady was the ultimate game manager and personality manager that gave you all of those necessary elements to find success at the level in which he did. But I just don't know. And and here's me judging someone without knowing them. So shame on me, I guess. I just don't know if Aaron Rodgers is level-headed enough to survive a situation like this, to survive a climate like this. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe the New York Jets go win their first Super Bowl in 50-plus years here. Maybe that's what uh, happens. You don't watch Ted Lasso, right, John? No, I'm not a lasso. Okay, all right. For those of you in the comments, first of all, leave a super chat. We'd love to read your comments on the air, especially you crazy Jets fans. I see you in the YouTube yes. comments. Um, secondly, um, for you Ted Lasso fans out there, this is Zava, in my opinion. If you're caught up on season three, this is the New York Jets bringing in the prized player in the world, and then they all curtail and bow to him. Not to spoil season uh, season three, but like that's literally what happens. They bring in the premier player, and all the other guys on the team are goo goo gaga, and the offense has to run through him, and everything is about him. And spoiler alert: um, they lose like seven of eight games. So, ah, you're dropping some lasso spoilers. You're gonna get some. We're gonna get some angry emails here. If only I had mock draft spoilers, John Alba, because yes, Aaron Rodgers didn't steal draft night like he did a few years ago. Instead, he just you know, got out ahead of it draft week. It is indeed NFL draft week once more. Wide open beyond the fact that it sounds like, by all accounts, the Carolina Panthers will be selecting Bryce Young at number one overall. Question is, John, are mock drafts stupid? (laughs) Should we be doing them as fans? Should pundits be doing them i think mock drafts are beyond ridiculous personally and and i can't wait to get hey tom telesco gm of the chargers said today he's been you know one of us he's been doing the exercises just to see who's there in 19 i can't wait to get your thoughts on this because i know mia's mock draft is one of your favorite things that you get to do here and i'm not here to poo poo on fun you want to have fun all that stuff so many people put stock in mock drafts i have no idea why because year after year, it is proven to us that conditions change on the fly draft night. So, sure, you want to hype yourself up a little bit and try to flex that muscle. Yeah, I know a thing or two about the NFL. And there's a lot of people who don't even have outlets that they work for do their mock drafts and say, here's my credibility. I can do this. They mean nothing. They mean absolutely nothing. It's it's fan fiction as far as I'm concerned. An NFL mock draft is the closest thing to NFL fan fiction that we can possibly get unless someone is writing a love story about Aaron Rodgers fawning over one of the Maras over with the New York football giants. Unless something like that's happening, the closest thing you get to fanfic is an NFL draft. But go ahead, Mia, please, by all means, not just plug your Mia's mock draft, but give me a reason why any of us should care. 1010XL.com. Scroll down to the Mia's mock draft column. Um, you can also check out the video version on the 1010XL social and video channels. Um, that's Mia's 4.0 mock draft Monday. Uh, no, I think the fact the, that you had to do four of them, that only proves my point here. Keep going. Well, but see, that's the thing. And that's the fun of it is I'm doing four of them and I am doing it from the, pers- from the perspective of a quote unquote Jags insider where I get intel of what players the Jaguars are looking at, and I say, okay, they're looking at this guy. He's going to go most likely second or third round. So if he's a defensive tackle, they're going to have to address offensive tackle in the first or second round. And so how would that potentially stack up? And so by doing multiple mock drafts and then writing about it, not just actually putting it into a simulator, I am explaining to my audience potential scenarios as well as dropping some nuggets of what I am hearing. And so for me, mm-hmm. it's more of a device to, as opposed to writing an article and saying, the Jaguars are interested in Matthew Bergeron, offensive tackle Syracuse. I say, hey, I have him going here to the Jags, but know full well that these teams are also looking at him. So it's more of a holistic view uh, and like giving new, like nuanced view um, to give the audience, to make them feel like they are part of the insiders, at least from my perspective, as far as fans doing it. I mean, I'll, I'll be fully honest with you, John. Sometimes when I'm doing my day job and I get a little bored because we're talking about, 
I don't know, the boys are yelling at each other about ketchup versus mustard because they do that sometimes on good old XL primetime. Um, I'll just like pull up one of the mock drafts and just like have it off to the side. You know how people do Rubik's cubes? Mm-hmm. Like I just kind of like off to this. Like I'm I'm participating in the conversation, but I'm also like doing a mock draft just because I'm. You need bored. a hobby, Mia. Pull up. Well, pull it's just up, this. Pull up like Guy Fieri videos or something. I don't no, know. No, because I'm, I'm like also like being active in the conversation, and so it's just off to the side, and then like I'll talk and I'll answer, and then I'll like look see. Okay, these players are available. Okay. Okay. Look, if you want to make your excuses for your mock draft, look, you're a smart. You're a smart lady. You know what you're talking. It does about. make I'll my brain it. feel like it's working. Like I'll a Rubik's cube. You're a smart lady. You know what you're doing. Okay. But I'd be much more interested if your mock draft, instead of just denying the notion that it's fanfic, if you just embraced it. And what pick did the Jaguars have this year for the first round? 24. 24, okay. And instead instead of just saying 24, Jaguars, and then the player in the position in the college, you gave us a whole paragraph of how you predict the night to play out. Trent Baalke gets a call, and he... Hopped on speakerphone with Tony Khan and Shad Khan and the powers that be, and you're writing this all out. Tony's pl- Tony's and, flight from Tony, London and Fulham Tony's, got delayed, and so Tony, he's yelling on all the transatlantic flight. Tony is coming from Corpus Crispy, Corpus Crispy, where AEW's hanging Christi, out. An episode of AEW Dynamite, and he's on the phone with Trent, and he says something. Uh, who, who do you think? Who do you think the Jaguars are taking the first round? Who's, who's Ryan Branch or an offensive tackle? Okay, so Tony Khan gets on this conference call, and he goes, Trent, we need a tackle. Let's go get a tackle. And then Trent Balky says, sir. No, 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 no. Trent, because Trent sounds like Lloyd from Yellowstone. He says, trust the board, Tony. He says, trust the board, Tony. Trust the board. I've got four of them circled, There's each of them in a different in colored. Round. Each of them in a different colored highlight. Trust me. And Tony says, I'll trust you. Let's go. Let's take him. Let's go. See, that's far more interesting to me. Uh, maybe I should have been doing this all along. I'm sure some of our listeners uh, that are Jags fans are absolutely Telegram, like, tell me, up right now. Mock the conversation. Mock how the night is going to go. That's I will read the crap out of that. Okay? that And that will prove to me that you know people and that you have sources. Okay? Not that I've doubted it. I'm just saying. I can do this. I, I hope that this is uh, our YouTube short that uh, that goes up on Know Your yeah. News because there will be Jaguar fans that will watch this back and I will try and deliver and put this together for you okay. before Thursday night, I promise. All right, I'm just saying. I want a mock conversation of the Jaguars' upper brass. and then tell me, brass. Tell me how this thing is going to go down because, Mia, the reality is this year is wide open when it comes to the NFL draft because – there could be up to five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Think of the conversations that would be going on there between teams. You ever seen Moneyball, Mia? Of course I've seen Moneyball, you know the scene, I'm American. Do you know the scene where Billy Bean is making all the calls on the trade deadline day yes. to all the different GMs and stuff? That's what's going down here on NFL Draft Day. And there could be up to five quarterbacks taken in that first round. That's significant. So my question to you then is, do teams hedge their bets too much on finding the face of the franchise in an unproven draft rather than trying to go out and either find a proven commodity like the New York Jets have or turn someone who has legs under them in the NFL into something more? Yes, which is why I'm currently pulling up the tweet from the Houston Texans, who in an age where everyone else is zigging, it appears they want to zag, John. In case you missed it, rumors started in mass about a week and a half ago that the Houston Texans with a number two overall pick with Davis Mills as their starting quarterback, Case Keenum under contract, and E.J. Perry, the former undrafted free agent of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's their quarterback room right now, John. Everything suggests they should get a quarterback in this year's NFL draft. And then Lance Zierlein of NFL.com and ESPN Houston breaks a couple weeks ago, at least 10 days ago or so, what many of us in small circles have been hearing since February, which is that the Texans are going against conventional wisdom because outside of Bryce Young, they don't like any of the four quarterbacks remaining. And so therefore, they're going to run it with who they have. They're going to build an elite roster around them. And they're going to wait, to your point, the quarterback they actually like. Uh, did you see this tweet from earlier, John? No. Um, so they tweet out, this is about like 8 a.m. this morning. 
They tweet out this graphic. It's like, it looks like a Houston Texans player. I don't know who it is catching a football and it's like black and white. And then over top it, the text says failure is not an option. It's a necessity. Every misstep is a lesson learned. Every setback, a chance to grow stronger, embrace the struggle and become unstoppable. It sounds like an excuse for tanking. Right. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) They literally are openly tanking. And to that point, I think it's not going to be tanking because I think they'll be better solely because they have so many picks in this year's draft. And so even if it takes them a little bit to figure it out. I also don't think you should take someone just for the sake of taking someone. Right, and that's what the Texans believe. That's literally, you're a Texans fan. You're you're a Nick Casario. They truly don't think that one of these quarterbacks on the board, other than Bryce, which by the way, they could have had Bryce if they didn't win that last game of the season. But if they Thank don't you, Lovey Smith, his parting gift out the door. If they don't think that one of these quarterbacks is their guy, they weren't impressed by him. They weren't like Dave Gettleman when he saw Daniel Jones for the first time and started salivating. If they weren't like that, then only because he had been in proximity of the Manning brothers like three times. Well, right. Here's what I say. Take a safe option. Ch- chances are, Mia, if you're an offensive lineman being taken mm-hmm. in the first round, you're good. You're pretty good. Right. Well, I, I like the saying, too, like part of why offensive linemen and defensive linemen that are good get taken so high is because, quite frankly, there's not a lot of them roaming the earth. Take right. the guys that we can't find anywhere else. Right. And and that's the thing. Like, far more, there are far more busts as quarterbacks than there are as edge rushers or offensive tackles. Far more. Because when you're a first-round quarterback taken – Think of the expectations that come with that. And especially with a team like Houston, where if you're taken as a first-round quarterback, you're going to be a starting quarterback. Right, day one. Day one. As the second overall pick. Do you think five quarterbacks go first round? I do. Um, I do think there's going to be a bit of a slide uh, for one Anthony Richardson because in my – and even C.J. Stroud to an extent, if if it is to be believed, and we could talk about this, that in the S2 cognition test, which has replaced the Wonderlick as the IQ, if you may, reactionary test that NFL pundits and executives around the league are having players conduct, um, of which C.J. Stroud scored an 18 out of 100. Um, Bryce Young scored a 98 out of 100. That's an 80-point difference, John. Um, If that's to be believed, then, yeah, I fully expect C.J. Stroud to slide, and I expect Anthony Richardson to slide solely because I don't know if there's a team that can afford to wait for him to develop because I do think he shouldn't start his first year in the league just because I think he would really benefit from it, from not being in the situation you just described. And so I do see those two sliding. The Colts have to take a quarterback. They have no choice because, to your point, John, they just keep trying to sign the guys they think they like. But they're all 35-plus, and it's just – Right. They they have to try. They have to try the rookie thing. Um, and they have to try it now because otherwise heads are going to roll. So I, I think Bryce the last Young, time they did it, they succeeded. They found a yeah, great Yeah, twice. Twice mm-hmm. with Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Uh, and then they got away from it for whatever the reason. Um, I think because they thought their window, to your point, their window was open and they needed to get a veteran quarterback. It happens. So you get Bryce Young at one. I believe Will Levis from Kentucky will go at four to the Colts. The question is, do the Colts trade up? Does somebody try to like make a scene and say that, you know, we're going to trade to three to try to get him. I I think the Texans are going defense. I think they're going to zag. And then moreover, I think that, um, you know, CJ Stroud will slide. I think that could create an interesting conversation for the Seattle Seahawks at five. Uh, They obviously just paid Gino a boatload of money, but it's pretty front loaded. So you know, they could bring uh, in a rookie if quarterback. Takes a few that, years and sits right, back. sits behind him for two to three years. That's where I think Anthony Richardson, that would be a great landing spot for him. Um, Minnesota has had interest in both Hendon Hooker and Anthony Richardson. I still think as much as the Lions right now look like, and there, there's no other team that's hit on draft picks like, like they have the last two years. And then obviously they got the Stafford picks. So they're sitting pretty, but I do think they will need to look into the quarterback department in this draft or next year because Jared Goff isn't forever. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow got into the game with two top 20 draft picks themselves. Um, But no, I think that those two could slide. Uh, Hendon Hooker will somehow come in there because teams have interest in him. And, you know, I don't think we're going to personally – as the weeks have gone on, I don't know if we will see all five in the top 10 like some people thought we would. Um, but I do think we will see five in the first round. 
No doubt about it, me O'Brien, getting you hooked up with your NFL mock draft picks. Again, please give us something a little more in-depth with your final piece that you do ahead of the draft. I look forward to it. I think it's time for us to move on to the association, Mia, where there's plenty of drama going on there as well. Oh, yes. You know the hot dog meme, John? Have you seen that the guy in the hot dog costume? And he goes, we're all wondering who did this. <laughs> That's Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. He poked the bear. He called out LeBron after game two. He called him old. Then in game three, Brooks gets called for a flagrant foul. A sec, uh, uh, flagrant two. He's ejected. 17 seconds into the second half after he touched the crown jewels of the, 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 the family jewels of the king, LeBron James, with his left hand. Um, John, is it smart to go after LeBron to gain notoriety? Slash the fact that Dylan Brooks was, like, crying about how the refs are out to get him. Um, did he have this coming? Dude, I love a good heel. I love a good heel in sports, someone that embraces being the bad guy. But when you have a guy that, regardless of what the fans say, and I, I said I'm barely on Twitter at this point. We'll get into that in a second. But the other day I just saw so many people just going after LeBron. And then he, he – I don't know if you saw the clip in transition. He had that beautiful slam. I said, you losers that waste your time hating on LeBron are going to miss him so much when he's mm-hmm. gone. So despite what some fans say, LeBron is pretty much universally respected as the Don of the NBA within the league. So when you come after him, you best be ready to take it back and and understand that whatever you serve up is going to get served back to you. Then Dylan Brooks took it to that next level where he did take the inadvertent swipe at the Which, by the way, James Harden had been ejected over the weekend for a similar swipe. Mm-hmm. So... Already there was a standard. It wasn't like they were targeting you, Dylan. Right. And and then, you know, Dylan Brooks blaming the media and blaming a fan. I just, it's it's a weak look. No problem with him being the heel and trying to get a little bit of heat there and being like, hey, you know, LeBron, he's old. Like, that's fine. But you have to understand what goes around comes around, especially in a league like that where LeBron is. St- it's not like LeBron is this washed up superstar. LeBron James is still playing very, very, very high caliber basketball. At what, 38 years old? Yeah. It's, is it is amazing. Like it, yeah. like we will look back one day at what LeBron James is doing in his late thirties and knowing the wear and tear he had already endured. I mean, we were just talking about Aaron Rodgers, and uh, thank you to all the Aaron Rodgers and Jets fans in the comments. We appreciate you. Um, and yes, yeah, Dylan Brooks is the next Draymond Green. I'll get to that here in a second. But I think what's so fascinating is Aaron Rodgers' longevity is largely attributed to the fact that Brett Favre started the first three years of Aaron Rodgers' NFL career. So he saved some time on it and wear and tear on his body. LeBron was not only thrust onto an NBA court at the age of 18 – he was told that he is the savior the chosen one. Yeah. at the age of 18. And he had to play the most minutes of anyone throughout the course of the last 20 years on the, all three or actually four teams that he's played on. Yeah. And that's what makes it so impressive. And that's why I'm like, Dylan Brooks, like, what are you doing, bro? Like, What's and if you want, right, just because you want to talk smack and you want to like puff your chest out and say, look at me, I'm the big new bully on the block and the Grizz are here to stay. Like, well, guess what? You may get beat by the Lakers or what, a 10 seed? Have fun with that. Or seven. There was seven. They're in the seven tank. So they're seven seed. But still, like, have fun with that one, bro. If anything, um, I'll draw it back to a different topic we debated a few weeks ago um, and in a very different light. But when the Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese beef happened, like, Caitlin Clark said, I would have done something similar. Like, if I'm going to give it out, I got to be able to take it back. And so, like, and that's not, like, no offense to Angel Reese, but she ain't LeBron. So, like, You know, and, and yeah, this, this reeks of boy who cried wolf. This what reeks of boy who cried wolf. And like, feel bad for me. Like Draymond mm. never says feel bad for me. No, he does not. No, and that's if you want to be the next bully on the block, then you can't be looking for sympathy. No, you look at like the Detroit Pistons from like the late '80s, early '90s, right. and they were the bullies, right? If, if you've seen the Last Dance, you know. Yes. Like that was the whole thing with Jordan taking it personally and everything. Uh, they embraced being the bullies. So if that is the role that Dylan Brooks wants to take on here, look, there's a there is a path to success by taking on that role. It's fine, but 
being a bully and then also understanding that when you choose that role, there's going to be a vitriol towards you. You have to be willing to eat that and embrace it. And if you back it up with your play, guess what? You're going to get paid anyway. I thought it was a little weak on Dylan Brooks's behalf, personally, Mia. And, uh, you know, you're going to go after LeBron James. Is that really what you want on your resume? Do you want to be known as the the guy? Get out of the street. Do you know? Do you want to be known as the guy that called out LeBron and then LeBron stepped all over you? I mean, I know Draymond's like literally stepping on people, but do you want LeBron to be figuratively doing that? I think not. And you know who else? LeBron doesn't want any part of that's Elon Musk. Ah, here we go. It's time, everyone. Ah, yes. Let us have a conversation Let about the blue it. check mark. Yeah. LeBron okay. was this... one of the first of many celebrities after John Alba to say that he wouldn't pay for his blue check mark. Then Elon Musk gifted one to him anyway. John, the floor is yours. Do you care about losing your blue check mark? I don't give a crap about losing my blue check mark. It's truthfully what we have seen Twitter devolve into in the last several months has stripped it from any authenticity and the specialness that made it this fantastic public space for us to interact in real time during these amazing events that happen. Uh, These sporting events, these current events, public things that go down in our society. That was the beauty of Twitter, right? And you had people who did want to contribute in meaningful ways to these public discourses, whether it's in a comedic route, whether it's in a serious route. And now with Twitter Blue, we have given the worst of the worst people a platform to put whatever it is they're putting out there. And I think one of the things that made Twitter so special, Mia, was that you could shoot a tweet at LeBron James on any given moment, and he might respond to you. And now with what has happened with the nuclear bombing of all of these check marks, regardless of whether these celebrities keep them or not, it's just as easy as someone else to claim they're LeBron James and put that blue check mark next to them. And on the surface, with people who lack media literacy, they might miss what is actually going on there, and then problems erupt. I think it's ridiculous. And then plus, on top of that, by having this blue check mark next to them, if Elon Musk and company are gifting them this, which is now a pay service, keep in mind, that is a pseudo endorsement of the product. And these celebrities who have legitimate endorsements to protect that they go out of their way for in their own right are inherently endorsing this product, whether they want to or not. I think this is a mess. What say you? Oh, it's absolutely a mess. I mean, there's no question about that. But I think that the response from the sane portion of Twitter um, has largely been to, you know, just say, hey, it's dumb. But, you know, we're going to try to keep on keeping on. And hopefully you do, too. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, because then Elon's just going to keep on Elon. It's been a lost interest, truthfully. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like for me, it's like. I'm losing interest. I find myself on Instagram more. Um, but at the same time, I think part of it is like the newsworthiness of it. Like when Aaron Rodgers got yeah, traded, where did everyone go? Of course. But then guess what? There could have been five other verified Aaron Sheff- or, uh, uh, Adam Schefter accounts saying the same thing or different things. It's it's just P- and man, I'm, I'm going into a total tangent here, but it's people. I mean, my thing, too, is like how much longer can he keep this act up? of the of the like i think i mean part of it too is now you have the uh verified organization tab that you also if your company wants to pay a thousand dollars a month everybody in your organization can get their blue check mark back um which so in you know in the case of an espn or an nfl network that's chump change and so they're like no we're gonna pay it um but no so is it important yes because uh, in an age of misinformation we are now leaning into it um, I, I'll tell you this though. There's a lot of those front office executives that may be signing that thousand dollar check for news organizations or verified organizations to get their check marks back. And they are saying, huh, good for Elon. He's recognizing the free market. I'm just telling you, like, as I've heard it from a couple of them here in town and I like, you know, they're like, Oh yeah. Like he's realizing like people, like if you want to be online, you should pay for it. I agree. I agree, John. I agree. 
but I'm just telling you from from their perspective. I'm just uh, out on all of this. I think it's a disservice to the celebrities who had this situation here, and I I'm just totally out on it. And I apologize because I'm multitasking right now because I just got a very important piece of news passed along to me that is not relevant to our show in particular. But um, that's be, the other thing too. Like, be able to look for it for it on any other shows know, or platforms potentially soon. We'll see. But um, that's part of it, too. It's like this was a place to share information that from a work perspective. But now with the way that the algorithm is affected, I could tweet something out that I used to be able to get thousands of engagements on. And now I might get 15 because that's just the reality of it. You know, I ain't having any of this, me, O'Brien. It's as simple as that. Let's move on to the Stanley Cup playoffs, which, by the way, have been excellent they are always excellent if you haven't watched any of the stanley cup playoffs make sure you do devils and rangers tonight dougie hamilton sending the last one in ot to a 2-1 series advantage for the rangers good stuff going on this however uh could could be dangerous for edmonton the edmonton oilers rallied from a three nothing deficit against the la Kings sunday night to tie their series at two after a I four win. That's great for them. But if they lose this series, Mia, it will be yet another shortcoming for Connor McDavid, someone who has very much proven that he is ceiling to be one of the greatest players to ever put on a pair of skates. And it would be another shortcoming for him if, if they lost. In a general sense, should these star players, these legendary players, bear the brunt when their team fails? Well, I don't know. Packers fans have had a thing or two to say about A.A. Ron over the last decade plus since he won his one and only Super Bowl. But he's did, he did win, though. He did, he did win. win. But should he have won more? You over can the last decade won plus? more, but he did win. Yes, that is true. But in an age of what have you done for me lately, is that enough for one of the greatest quarterbacks of our time? Um, if, if we want to stay in the NFL, um, it's not really a player. It's more of a... Uh, entire organization, but the Dallas Cowboys, if you're, you know, going to talk as America's team again, 1995. I mean, I was three years old, so I'm not really sure about that one. Um, as, and I said this to you when we pitched, when I pitched this topic to you, my instant thought, because you're in your, um, you know, benchmark of this, you have to have not won just like Connor McDavid. Um, so Mike Trout is the obvious person to say but at the same time with Mike Trout it's like do you blame him for the Angels shortcomings over the past decade plus I mean no I I don't blame him he has been as efficient of a baseball player that can possibly be even with some of his but he hasn't won the big one but but he hasn't even sniffed the playoffs much of the last few years but when he's performing at MVP caliber levels and his team's still missing the playoffs, how can you hold that against him? He's doing what he's paid to do. Right. Well, so that's now the the question with Connor McDavid. He's getting them to the playoffs, but you know, they're not getting to the ultimate prize. I think hockey more than anything is like the ultimate team sport because you have line changes and everyone intersecting in situations like that. So do I put, as much emphasis on him not being able to get them to the promised land and win the big one. Not as much. No, because there are surrounding factors. I think there's more responsibility in the NBA than there is anything else. Like you can directly blame the net shortcomings on Kyrie Irving and what happened with Kevin Durant, but especially Kyrie Irving in particular, because there are fewer players. It is a team sport, but there are fewer players and it falls on the individual's action more than anything else. I think the NBA in particular is the ultimate example of that. So Kyrie, who else would you have? Cause I agree. I think the NBA is probably the most off because like football and like you said, hockey or like team sports, I think the quarterback, maybe you could look to in the NFL um, baseball as well. It's a team sport um, pitching. Maybe you could look at, so who else in the NBA would you say, Hey, your actions directly affected why we are the way we are. In a negative sense? Or positive, for that matter. I mean, in positive, you could look at 
what LeBron James did for the course of his entire career, what Michael Jordan did. Those teams won championships because of said individual. And Seth Curry, another example, even with the the cast that he had, it's due to the one individual and what they were able to do in a negative context. Man, I mean, I think there were teams like trying to use a good example here um mm. i know it's stumper i mean back when like derrick rose was supposed to be the guy and then he had all those shortcomings mm-hmm. he did a nice rebound with his career but that's one where i think your team was hinging on his success and it didn't happen because of him so i do think I really think basketball and the NBA especially is where that is most contingent. College basketball, when you have one star player and that star player doesn't perform, your entire team collapses. There's no getting past something like that. Right. Just the way I look at it. I mean, Connor McDavid will be given a pass. I'm going to give Connor McDavid. He's amazing. He's amazing. Do you, man, do you realize how good you have to be to be an all time great in hockey? Because, again, hockey, I was just having this conversation the other day with someone. It is not just being a good hockey player. You need to also have the acquired skill set of being able to skate. And I know that sounds so remedial, but we're so numb to it because we just assume, oh, they're just out there doing the same thing. They're just skating. Right. But to be able to skate backwards and to be able to control a puck beyond the other required skill set necessary for being successful in the NHL, it is amazing. Just incredible athletes at the end of the day. Let's, I let's... do think it's worth noting before we hit our next topic, yes. though. Um, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, I mean, judged until the bitter end, like still ongoing, by how many rings they won and how many championships. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like when the, the Capitals got to the Stanley Cup, it was, all right, Ovi, it's time, man. Like you got to do it or else what will we remember you by? And so that's what I'm curious about with McDavid, if he will be judged similarly. I think we're still a little too early in his career for that. I think we're still a little too early. There's what about Mike Trout's career? Mike Trout, even if Mike Trout doesn't win one, I don't think he'll ever be faulted for it. Because it was bad ownership. Which brings us to our last topic here. Bad ownership. Something in the water in California. Here it is, folks. The Oakland Athletics have finally said, yeah, maybe we will leave the Bay Area and our 100 people that show up to games. Um, They have purchased land in Las Vegas to construct a stadium and explore, explore John Alba, relocation. All but seals the deal for them to leave the San Francisco, Oakland, Bay Area. They have cited that poor attendance I alluded to as one of the difficulties in getting leverage for a new stadium, a baseball-only stadium, to stay. John, do you fault the fans of the Oakland Athletics at all? Not even a little bit. John Fisher is one of the worst owners in sports. And that is a statement that I say emphatically. If you are not willing to invest in your product, what incentive is there for fans to come to the ballpark? You know, people romanticize the Moneyball story, as mm-hmm. how can you not be romantic about baseball? I mean, 20 plus years later, too, we forget. But Moneyball only happened because the A's were being cheap. And they have succeeded in spite of that. This is a team that has made a couple of ALCSs over the last 20 years. They've been knocking on the door of the World Series. They've had great talent. All of, they whom, go away. all of whom have been traded or leave via free agency. How can you blame fans for that when they go and buy a ticket knowing that that player that I'm watching right now might not even be on this team later this season? Well, better yet, when there's another act across the river or across across the bay, if you may, where, sure, of late, they've been good, but they haven't been winning World Series like they were in the mid-2010s every other year, like the San Francisco Giants. But at the very least, at least they're attempting to, you know, retain (laughs) talent. And that's where... To your point, because it's an amazing, it's an excellent point. I look at the team to my southwest in the Tampa Bay area, where 
sure, they're drawing more than 100 fans like the Oakland Athletics, but it's much of the same. And that's why they won't draw more than 8,000 people at the drop. Not because it's a dump, but because up until Wander Franco, I mean, where was their retention? I I get that. I think things are going to start to change with Tampa. Truthfully, I really do believe that. And Because of pressure that was applied? or I I just think with a new stadium on the horizon – I think there's going to be more incentive for them to actually buy into players and stuff. I, I really do. But listen, part of it is the stadium is awful there in Oakland. But I'll say the proof is in the pudding, me. And what do I mean by that? I want you to take a guess for me. Okay. The Tampa Bay Rays right now, they have the best run differential in baseball. They are plus 88. They've scored. Also because of their massive runs. start to the year. They've, they've scored 88 more runs than they've given up. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think the Oakland Athletics run differential is right now? Well, they're the worst team in Major League Baseball. They are the worst team in Major League Baseball by a large margin. So it's got to be like negative. Minus what? 88. Negative 88? Yeah. Okay. Keep in mind, we're not even out of the month of April yet. Right. They are minus 103. As their run differential, we are How many runs have they scored? We are not even... In the month of April yet. Okay. I'm going to look up the total amount of runs that they have scored. Yeah, how many runs have they actually scored if they're minus 103? They are averaging. Because they've only played, what, 25 games? They are averaging 3.41 runs per game. And how many are they giving up then? Seven? So that tells you, uh, I don't know what the math math comes out to, but it's probably somewhere, let's see. They are averaging giving up 8.09. Oh, my God. It's unreal. It is unreal. They've won four games. The next closest worst run differential are the Colorado Rockies, who've been terrible this year as well. They've won four games, John, and three of them were by one run. Theirs is minus 54. Unreal. And that's the second closest. So the Oakland Athletics are almost double that. Here we are. They are... On a historic path. I thought the 2003 Detroit Tigers yeah. were the worst baseball team bad. I've ever seen. Yep. I think this team is worse than that. I and mean, I'm just looking at the roster and I'm like, Jace Peterson, Diaz. Like, I'm trying to think who else I know. Familia, I guess. I think the this closer. is. I think this Trevor might May. be the worst baseball team I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah. So when you have those circumstances, Mia, what? is the incentive for a fan to come out and pay hard-earned money to Especially, see Especially, I don't cheap. know, let's look it up. What's the price of a ticket to the Oakland A's? And I'm sure it's not that expensive compared to other, but still, it's not, it's, not, it's not an inexpensive experience to go to a ballpark. There's parking. There's all those other things, right? Like that's Right. Uh, let's see. If we wanted to go to this Friday's, Friday's game against the Reds in Oakland, uh, $20. $20. Okay. It's still a lot of money. Well, that's in the nosebleeds. $20 plus parking, plus food and drinks. You're looking at still Still $194 to sit behind home plate. Are you kidding me? For a team with a minus 103 run differential at this juncture. How can you blame the fans? No, I'm not paying $194 to see that. Absolute insanity as far as I see it. And if you are rich enough to own a baseball team, you are rich enough to invest in players. You are rich enough to build a stadium. Simple as that. And you know what it is, man? You know, I mean, I could go on rants about this for hours, but the you hear all the time, you know, oh, the stadium, they want the public, publicly subsidized money for the stadium and whatnot. They're saying, oh, well, in Las Vegas, it'll be mostly privately funded. Well, one of the caveats is the public funding would come from a new tax that would be imposed in Las Vegas, which would then go towards this. So it would still be public funding at the end of the day that would go into this stadium and mass. It is a ripoff. I feel bad for A's fans. The Oakland athletics are a franchise with a lot of history. They've won several world series. They've had a lot of hall of famers. I feel bad for them. I really do. And I feel bad for that area. They lost the Raiders is not, they lost the warriors. The warriors went across the, across across the the bay. Stinks for them. I feel bad Man. for them. I really do. Let's turn things around, Mia. It's time for the beast of the week to wrap things up here. Who was the most beastly human or person or entity 
that you saw in sports this week? So um, besides Dylan Brooks, um, who is all bark and no bite, um, this guy, similarly, um, I want to give him beast of the week because I want him to be good, John. So it's going to be kind of like a double barreled answer. Um, That is one Anthony Volpe, the young rookie infielder for the New York Yankees, obviously hit the home run to get them on the board and uh, what eventually proved to be a 3-2 win over the Toronto Blue Jays on Saturday. But I'm going to pivot around because Mr. Volpe – uh, his stats aren't exactly what you would deem a beast. And instead, I will give the reigning MVP, Aaron Judge, Beast of the Week honors, not only for his on-field performance, not only because of how well he's played in the field this year, but because did you hear this story? I did. About he got this yeah, – well, we all know he got a massive contract, right? I've heard. But then there's this. Anthony Volpe was getting fitted for suits that he could wear on road trips. Because he's 21 and, years old. Keep him. He's mind. 21 years old. He's getting fitted for his suits, and the tailor says, hey, hey, put your wallet away. Aaron Judge just called. He's going to take care of the whole bill for you. What a beast. I love Aaron Judge. That is a beast of the week move. I'm going to take it a step further, Mia, with another baseball guy, someone that you love very much. So Alex Rodriguez is reportedly shopping around rights to a movie and documentary about his life, and if that is not a beastly move, then I don't know what. And Timberwolves won last night. What do you think an A-Rod documentary looks like? I just hope I'm in it. Like, that's all I hope. <laughs> I hope you see my little face uh, the day he got suspended when he was rehabbing with the Trenton Thunder. And you see the ESPN cameras above my head. That's my only ask. Literally my only ask. I just want to be in it. I'll do whatever it takes. Do you think a documentary would even talk about him being suspended? Or would he turn? Yes, because it's going to talk about his his how he overcame the adversity. Overcame it. He had a great 2015 Mm -hmm. season, and then it cratered. And then in 20 or no, great 2015, 2016, he started off hot. It cratered. They forced him into retirement, but he turned that into a very profitable entrepreneurial and media career. Mm -hmm. And look at him now. What a beast is Alex Rodriguez. This has been out of bounds on Know Your News. Anything else you want to add, Mia? Uh, no, uh, just stay tuned at me, O'Brien TV. If you mind people who don't have blue check marks, I promise it's me and, uh, NFL draft, a lot of fun stuff coming ahead this week. It'll be good stuff. I'm waiting for your fan fiction. This has been out of bounds. I know your news. We will see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now. 